Hey, if you are in construction or just do a lot of handiwork yourself, you must try shark tooth blades in your utility knife. They are specifically made for cleaner, more precise cuts, eliminating the paper drag created by ordinary, dull, one-time use blades. Their blades are 10 times sharper and 5 times more durable. And now, using promo code ESC, you will get an additional 15% off on top of their current sale prices. Visit www.sharktoothblades.com and order yours today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast. We've been gone for a little while, but we are back. It is episode 152. Here I am, your host, Evan, here with the infamous Gabe Montalvo and a very special guest, Anthony, also known as the conservative Latino. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, brother. I appreciate it. No problem. All right, guys, just a reminder to visit our website at EmpireStateConservNetwork.com. There you can find all of our articles, very few written by Gabe, videos, links to our shows, and not to mention our amazing snowflake melting merch, the profits of which we use to help us spread the message of conservatism in New York and rid New York of its leftist oppressors, such as Governor Cuomo. Gabe, what do you want to say? Which was also modeled by Gabe. Uh, Use code GABE10 to get 10% off of all future purchases. Yes, so while Gabe shamelessly plugs his promo code, Anthony, for those <laughs> so for people who aren't familiar with you, um, I follow your Instagram, so I've seen a lot of your stuff. But for people who might not be on Instagram, um, we have a lot of older people on Facebook. We love our older fans on Facebook. Not going to hate on. But give them a little bit of background of who you are, how you got into politics, and kind of what your view is on kind of the state of politics right now. Yeah. So for those uh, listening, I'm actually from California. So like my New York brothers here, I feel the pain of living in tyranny every single day under communist tyranny. Um, But yeah, so I actually got involved. I'm actually like one of these new Republicans. I've actually never been political really at all. uh, Most of my life. Um, I actually only casted my very first vote in 2018. And that was as a registered Republican. And uh, what brought me really into politics was actually Donald Trump. He turned me into an activist. And uh, what I mean by that is, so I was going to, when I was 18, graduated in 2005, Silmar High High Spartans out here in Los Angeles. And after, shortly after, you know, 9-11 had happened four years prior. I knew coming out of high school, I really wanted to serve. Uh, my father served in the army. My grandfather also served in the army. So I, I, especially with 9-11, I really wanted to serve. And so I joined the United States Coast Guard, which is, uh, you know, military branch. We're also Department of Homeland Security. And during that time, uh, I really got exposed to what was happening at the borders. And uh, for a couple years, I was stationed at the border of San Diego and Mexico. And that really kind of opened my eyes to the human trafficking, the drug trafficking that was happening, happening there. So I think that as I witnessed all of this, I started getting more and more conservative uh, politically uh, because I'd, I'd like to say that being raised Pentecostal Christian, I was already pretty conservative. You know, we don't believe in abortion. We don't believe in legalized prostitution, you know, like a lot of uh, our libertarian friends do with George Jorgensen, you know, but um I was raised pretty conservative. Uh, and so 
politically, I just never really tied it in to being a Republican. And the more I paid attention, especially as I got older, I realized that, hey, you know what? Uh, my values and morals align more to the party. So I was almost kind of always in the belief that, you know, I grew up listening to Immortal Technique. I think he's a New York native. Um, he's a great rapper. And he just kind of always talked about, like, all the corruption happening at the, at the state level, at the government level. And so I never really just trusted politics. And when this outsider entered Donald Trump won, I was like, wait a minute, this guy was not supposed to win. You know, like this is not, this guy does not fit the description of what someone who should be winning looks like. I, I really thought that Hillary had it in the bag knowing that, you know, she was just part of the deep state, part of that corruption elite. And so when he won, I really started getting a lot more involved because I'm like, well, if this guy can won, if this guy can win, then I think a lot of just normal people can win. You know, not to say that he was normal. Sure, he was a billionaire playboy. You know what I mean? But it did give me hope that an outsider can just come in and with enough trust, with the right game plan, you know, he, he can win. And so enter 2017 when I left the service – I went back to school, was doing my general education classes. My very first class was a speech class. And I met one of my friends. His name is Jose Fregoso. He's a, he was actually a Bernie Sanders campaigner. And, and so when me and him got to talking, I realized that a lot of the stuff that he advocated for, I was against. And uh, which is really weird because his parents were given amnesty by Reagan in the 80s. <laughs> and so it's it's really interesting to see, you know, that this Republican in the 80s gave his parents amnesty to stay in the U.S. and then enter this guy. You know, he's <laughs> he's a Bernie supporter. But, you know, just just college, really, you know, going back to school, seeing like the liberalism coming back to California after being stationed abroad for so many years, so many different times and paying attention, paying attention to the politics of California, seeing has been deep blue for multiple decades already and how absolutely horrible it is for a regular person, even a veteran myself to come back and how hard it is to really survive out here. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm sure you guys know New York, you know, the, the, the high taxes, cost of living, homelessness, drugs everywhere. I mean, it's just really crazy. And so that's when I started paying attention and I was just like, I got to do something about this. You know, I can't, I can't come back and just, let California continue to, to just decay. And so I became a conservative activist. I, we, with my organization, we started cleaning up the streets. We just started getting plugged in. We just started paying attention, getting plugged in, and we're activating other people to do the same. Yeah, and it's great to have another conservative millennial on. I graduated in 06. So nice. it, it's very hard because our generation is ridiculously liberal. We are raised very much by baby boomers i think all of my parents friends were all hippies when they were in college like straight up hippies like long hair smoking joints like on the quad like literally hippies they were not like just complete nonsense but it you know it's hard and that that happened to a lot of people trump woke a lot of people up and like you said you saw how bad california was and you couldn't just sit by and that's what happened to us in new york we literally saw us i mean when we sat down when we originally started the the uh Empire State Conservative Network, and we started the podcast. We're like, we got to just do something. We gotta, just got to start saying something, just waking people up. Because if you if we're not going to stand up, we can't wait for other people to do it. If we don't do something, then it's just going to decay. Right. 
right. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Anthony, you and I uh, work with the uh, same organization, and you've been doing a lot of great work. Uh, what made you choose the handle of a conservative Latino? Uh, marketing purposes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll be very, so when I first started, um, uh, that's really why I've kept it is the, the marketing purpose. But when I first started, the reason why I chose conservative Latino was because I didn't really notice a lot of outspoken conservative Hispanics or Latinos. Um, sure. You know, you have like the boomer generation, the older Republicans, you know, the old guard, but there was in social media, there wasn't really like any handles or any social media presence that I saw that kind of catered to millennials and, and Gen Z, you know? And so um, I, of course, being conservative and Republican in such a deep blue state, especially being in Los Angeles County, um, we risk a lot We're we're, you know, we basically are self doxing ourselves in that people can find us any moment, you know, and, and, and kind of come after us. I mean, we already And um, when I first started it, I was like, I'm going to go with the conservative Latino because it's not using my real name. It's an alias. And I actually didn't even use my own profile picture. I, I created an avatar. So the purpose of the conservative Latino platform was to reach out to other conservative Hispanics and Latinos in my area or just across the nation. And kind of, you know, can have a difference of opinion. We can have civil conversations. You know, I've never really blocked anyone to, for having a difference of opinion. It's usually just the trolls and the people that, you, I mean, you know, both of you have been on social media long enough. You know who's there to have a conversation and you know who's there to just call right. you names and, and try to, you know, try to bait you out and stuff like that, you know? So um, that's why I chose a conservative Latino. And again, now I've kind of kept it because it's kind of become a, a staple name, you know, people are like, Oh, you're the conservative Latino. You're that guy, you know, you're that guy that's on social media. And I was like, yeah, that's me, you know? And uh, <laughs> it's funny. Cause uh, when I first started really kind of getting involved with some of the major platforms, like turning point, Prager U, stuff like that. Um, it was because Anna Paulina uh, found me uh, because she was tasked by turning point when she was a Hispanic engagement director at turning point. Mm. Um, she was tasked with finding other conservative Hispanics and Latinos to attend the Young Latino Leadership Summit. And so she she admitted to me that she's like, I, she's a, at that time when she got tasked with that, she's like, I don't know anybody else except for myself and maybe a handful of people. So she literally just typed in the words conservative Latino, you know, and uh -huh. here I am. I'm like the first one on the list, you know? And so, that you know, I'm like, yes, it worked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so now i keep it because there's a lot of people who do say that they say man i just type in conservative latino online and you're the first profile to pick to, to get picked up you know and so um i just kept it i just kept it. of course i use my face now i think it's yeah. i think that there's plenty of us now um that i i truly feel we don't have to be afraid anymore and and even if they want us to be afraid i think it's time for us to unite and rise up and show our faces and and again, it's a self-doxing. I understand, you know, people that recognize me, they're going to be like, oh, you're that racist Nazi. You know, I'm like, no, no, I'm not, like but game. I know what you Just mean. Like game. Exactly. No, okay. No, okay. Those are two separate incidents. But I will say that's a smarter <laughs> marketing strategy than Baron Montalvo. If you're on Instagram, Baron underscore Montalvo. 
Darn, I messed it up. It's anyway, not even we'll the right one. That's not even <laughs> the handle, Dave. Yeah, it's a title. It's a nobility term. It's not a... Uh, but that's not even your handle. It's Baron Dot Montalvo. On, on Twitter, it is. But anyways, we'll get to that later at the end of the show. But my, my initial thing was... When I got when I finally put the suit ensemble together, I actually had like a someone one of my friends that got me a red tie from Express, and I had the blue suit already. And I was like, "What if I just become like uh, lat, uh, the the Latino uh, Trump or the Trump Latino or something like that?" I just never went forward with it because I was like, "You know what? There, like you said, Anthony, there were not there were not a lot of uh, really outspoken outspoken people like that." I mean. Certain events, I'm sure, all uplifted us and, and you know took us off for uh, various uh, reasons. Some bad on face value, but you know, uh, with the underlying values of you know people just saying stupidity. I mean, you, you know, pretty familiar with what happened with me on um, with the Columbia University professor with you uh, facing off with Antifa and facing off with um, Univision and you know having to combat like that machine of just propaganda, I would say, you know, we all have the hills that we have to climb. And yet we're out here uh, basically every day trying to find different avenues of approach to actually wake people up to, you know, what do you want to call red pill them or to say, hey, there is another way to think. It's okay to be a conservative. You don't have to be a Democrat because you're a minority. Right. I think it's important. I think another important thing you said, Anthony, was about the self-doxing. And I have a very... It's not my own, you know, I didn't come up with this, but I, I subscribe to it that if you're going to say something and you're not going to show your face, it's because you know what you're saying is wrong. So it's important for us to show our faces. It's important for us to stand by what we're saying because people can call us racist. They can call us Nazi sympathizers, which is insane. Like a Jewish American, my grandfather's entire family was killed by the Nazis, not supporting white supremacy. But we know that we're not. So we need to yeah. be willing to stand by what we say. And if we're not willing to stand by what we say, if we're not willing to show our face, if we're not willing to be out there, then the, I think the message is lost. Right. Yeah, and I think that another important point is that uh, there's there's like this call. It's almost like a call to action to say, look, if I'm not afraid and I trust God, you know, that he will provide for me regardless, then I think that inspires to, to say, you know what, I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to have an avatar. I don't, I don't, I can just stand up and rise against all of that. And I can just be bold. I can just choose to just speak out. And I think that what uh, I find is a lot of people are just scared to come out. You know, it's, um, I mean, I don't like to make like false, you know, equivalences, but I've literally had, gay Republicans tell me that it was actually harder for them to come out as a gay Republican than it was to just come out gay because they say that in this society today, again, you know, times have changed everything, you know, but in today's society, it's more accepting to be part of that community, the LGBT community, than it is to be, you know, a Republican, someone that supports Trump. And to me, that's, that's, it's almost like shocking, you know, shocking that, that in today's society, just for saying, yeah, you know, I, I vote red or I support Donald Trump or I support his policies, like that is enough to just right. get the left, you know, full assault, man. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Right. I think the biggest the biggest thing that you have to look at in terms of how people operate, how different groups operate, is you look at, just look at Antifa. 
They all cover their faces. They all run around with bandanas and masks on because they know what they're doing is wrong. They know it. They just don't care because they're trying to overthrow the system. And speaking of Antifa, let's get into the meat of the episode. The real, real reason why we had you on, besides the fact that you are a very good guest and very well-spoken and Gabe suggested it. And I like to take Gabe's suggestions because he has good ideas sometimes. But rioting has been the name of the game for the left recently. We have seen it almost nonstop since the death of George Floyd with Antifa and BLM burning down cities and marching essentially for the rise of communism and the overthrow of American society. Now, Portland has seen over 75 days of riots at the time of this recording. Anthony, you were on the ground in Portland. So for us New Yorkers who aren't as up to date or even just people who haven't been able to have that experience, because what we see on TV is not, well, most of the time, is not actually what's happening on the ground. We're only getting part of the story. So give us kind of your experience on the streets of Portland during these riots. Yeah, so when we got there, it was, I believe it was like August 1st or like the end of July, like July 30th, July 31st. Um, and what ended up happening was it was the, the same day we arrived was the very first day that Ted Wheeler, who's the mayor of Portland, had struck a deal with the Trump administration to, quote unquote, withdraw federal troops because they were basically saying, look, we can control our city. Um, you know, we don't need the federal troops here. Uh, we've, we've had peaceful protesters, but the presence of the federal troops is what's really kind of sending Antifa uh, over the edge. Now, what, what's kind of unique to see, and, and a lot of people say, like, why even go cover these events? Just let them be, let them, you know, I think it's really important uh, us, you know, as a right wing or as conservatives or as Republican to really be informed. I, you know, we always talk about how facts really matter. So there's four groups that I witnessed that were there that not a lot of people are talking about. So you have Antifa, which a lot of people know are, you know, mostly uh, probably high school, but definitely like college level, you know, white liberals. For the most part, they do have some Hispanics and, you know, black Americans on there. But for the most part, it's it's, you know, these white young liberals. And then you had uh, Black Lives Matter, which I don't know if, you know, for anyone listening, but Portland only has a six percent black population. So a lot of people would say, well, where are all the black people? I actually got to have a conversation about this, and it's because Portland only has a very small uh, black population, and they're saying that they're working on it. When I got to talk to some of these, you know, Black Lives Matter projects, they're working saying, on getting more black people? No, really. That's exactly <laughs> what they said. They think that their city is racist because they said that they're not making it a safe space for black people. And I was just like, what in the world, man? Like, what is going on here, right? So it, it, what's interesting, so we have the Black Lives Matter, which are mostly white liberals in that city. Every city is different. I've gone to multiple cities. Los Angeles is different as well. Here, it's predominantly black and Hispanic. Out there in Portland, however, it's predominantly white. That was, so those are the two groups that you, you kind of saw rally together. And for the most part, were there in force. But then you also had the DSA, which is the Democratic Socialists of America. Yeah. For those of you who do not know, that's an official party that is that is followed by AOC, and they have endorsed her. These are like these people that say, no, 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 it's not socialism, it's socialism, right? So those are the third group. And then the last group, they're fairly new. They're actually called the Revolutionary Communists. Uh, which in short, it's called Revcoms. 
And this group I've noticed in a lot of major cities, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Portland, that was like the third one that I've seen them. So you have four groups and you got to think to yourself, how are these groups being funded? Right. And I think we, a lot of us know the answer to that, but so in being there, uh, again, the first night that the federal troops were withdrawn, uh, they technically weren't withdrawn. They just stayed inside the building and they were told to basically respond only if there was immediate danger. But it was weird because we were promised that there would be no more violence or vandalizing or any kind of crazy stuff. But that's exactly what we continued to witness. We were there for three nights and they were basically it's basically like the city gave in to them. They were allowed to do whatever they wanted. They went into residential neighborhoods and they were flashing lights inside of apartments where people were sleeping. Um, I'm sure a lot of people know about the lasers, the green lasers right. that they use. All that stuff. They have bullhorns. They got microphones. They have loud. They like they had a motorcycle doing an escort that was like revving their their engine. This is all being done one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning, while people are trying to sleep. And there's zero police presence. And so, you know, they're starting fires. They're vandalizing. They're you know just disturbing the peace. They're going into residential areas. They're waking people up. Um, it's just crazy. It's really crazy that, that they were, what was being reported was, oh, it was, it turned peaceful finally. No, it was far from peaceful. Like there were still fights. There were people there with guns. There were people there that went on alcohol and drugs. Uh, there were people there starting fires and including they were throwing Bibles. All right. This is, this is like a, a huge, like wake up Christian America, wake up. You know, they're burning Bibles out there. This is sending a strong message to to the foundation of our country and to Christians everywhere that they've become so emboldened because there's no punishment for them. Now, they can burn a Bible, but if I were to burn, you know, an LGBT flag in front of them, I'd probably get arrested for a hate crime, you know? So to me... It's really disgusting what I witnessed, you know, that they basically had free reign all over the city, no repercussion. They were allowed to go anywhere they wanted with no police presence or pressure or guidance. They just, again, Ted Wheeler was just like, all right, here, here's the city. It's, it's all yours. Do with it what you will. And, you know, 911 calls were being placed. People were trying to make calls. Why is this happening? Why is it so loud? Why is your drums playing in the middle of the street at three in the morning when I got to go to work tomorrow? Ted Wheeler was just like, I, we don't care. You know, we're just going to let them, hopefully they just kind of go away, you know, but like you just said, what is that? Night number 73. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's really scary. Really, really scary. It's, what's happening. It's like kids with tantrums. Like you'll just hope that they'll stop. You know, it's like when you want to get a, uh, you know, you take your kid to, to like, well, Toys R Us used to be open, or like a Target, you pass the kids section, uh, the toy section, and they're trying to get the toy, like, Mom, I want this toy, I want this toy. You're like, no, no, no. The more you ask, the more, you know, you're not going to get it. And eventually they'll just, you know, you hope that they'll stop screaming and you don't have to make a scene. That's exactly what these, you know, adult children, I don't want to say man babies, because I know that some of them don't identify at anything, um, which is kind of fun. But at the same time, uh, what's interesting is that these people uh, also set up like their own military-esque state. I know, Anthony, I sent you a direct message uh, from your story 
I was like, what are these guys doing? They were marching as if, you know, to some sort of like cadence, low energy cadence, by the way, horrible. I don't know. That sounds like a National Guardsman. <laughs> Sorry, I had to make fun of myself there for a second. Abe's so self-deprecating. I know. I, I got to, you know, I can't just rag on the Coast Guard. You know? <laughs> so, um, no, but I mean, what, what do they, what do they think they're accomplishing? They want to set up their own military force. They want yet still wave the American flag. They want to burn the American flag at the same time, burn Bibles. You're supposed to just sit there and take it. But God forbid you go against anything that they believe. What happens? They call the cops. They call the same people who they wanted to disarm and to destroy. So it's all about me, 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 what I want, and none of what actually fights for because they want the Bible because it's my First Amendment right. You bring the LGBT flag? No, that's a hate crime, exactly as you said. I, I mean, what is it that they want? And I got to say, the whole, the, the best picture for me that I saw out of any of this was when the, the cop, the federal cop, was pulling away the, uh, the woman. And like she's, like she's grasping onto the camera. And the caption was like, for the first time, someone was held accountable for their actions and what they did. I mean, what are your thoughts? Like when the federal officers were actually there, you know, making arrests and actually trying to insert some sort of law and order. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, I have libertarians, I have anarchists that follow me. I have all these people that say, you know, do just, just, they're not doing anything. It's just a federal building. It's just a courthouse. It's just one square block. It's just two square. It's just a flag. It's just, and the thing is that what we don't understand is the, when these people are out there and you said it pretty good is what do they really want is they're communicating. They, one thing that I don't understand, like what people don't understand is you, you kind of have to be there to really see what's happening. But a lot of these speakers, they're actually not from Portland. They had speakers that came down from Washington that are funded by black lives matter of Washington. They're starting chapters. These people are coordinated. They have chapters. It might sound silly to us when you see like, you know, some 18, 19 year old blue haired person with a shield, but literally at one in the morning, they're teaching them cadence. They're teaching them hand signals. They're teaching them how to professionally riot and be deceitful when the cameras are on. And to me, regardless of who wants to say what, you know, we can, we can kind of write them off, but the only thing that's really separating them from taking them very seriously is for them to all be armed with ARs or, or a rifle, but in almost a, a, a different, like, in almost like a, a weird way, it's almost like what they're doing is a little bit more serious because they know how to not get arrested. Like it's almost like they, they know exactly what to do to not get arrested, but it still do a lot of damage. Right. They know how to hide. They know what to use. They know what will get them arrested. They know a lot of them even know like what charges will be brought against them. And so before the rally even starts, there was someone going around that was handing out little cards. They were just like little printed out and said, you know, and, and this was like a little small, she sounded foreign. She sounded like a foreigner. I, I don't know the dialect, so I don't want to start speculating, but it was a, a tiny little girl. She had in her entire face covered. It was not a little girl, but she was probably like 17 or 18 or 19 giving out, here's the number to call in case you get arrested. Memorize it, learn it. 
you know, because they didn't know who we were. They didn't know that we were press. They didn't know that, you know, we're, we're, we're conservatives, et cetera. But they're, they're very well-funded. These are very well-funded and mobilized movements, and they are partnering with like-minded people. Like I said, a lot of people just say, oh, Portland, what's happening is just Antifa. No, you have four different groups there with four different leaders, four different group think tanks, but all, all of them will unite under the banner of communism or anarchy or ANCOM, whatever they want to call themselves. So to me, when I see these people, you know, waving their, their flags, you know, with pride, that it's the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, the Revolutionary Communists, Antifa, and Black Lives Matter. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, looking at our side and saying like, man, like, where's our unity? You know what I mean? Like, where... Where is our marches, our rallies to action, you know, to, to activate and kind of maybe have a show of force, you know, it can be peaceful, you know what I mean? But I mean, we can, we can, again, you know, we can speculate what we want about these groups and who they are and we can underestimate. But the reality is, again, they're starting chapters. They're well, they're well funded. We already know that corporate America pledged over a billion dollars to Black Lives Matter, and all of that money is going straight to the DNC. I mean, if you visit Antifa.com, it goes straight to Joe Biden. Spanish, right, and you know? they tried to cover that up. They tried to say, well, oh, they were just pranksters that were doing this. I'm like, pranksters are not, the message is out there that who they align with, it's obviously with the left. It's obviously that the left is trying to strong arm their way to more quasi or what they consider to be, which is really oppressive. Uh, I mean, the tactics are the same. You get rid of the family, you insert the state. You get rid of the individual, you insert the state. You get rid of, uh, you know, the, the religion, and you insert the state. And it's, it's the same tactics that we've seen over and over again. And I got to say, you know, you're 100% correct. Like, this is not something that is, that is, that should be, I mean, looked over as to say, oh, well, it'll just pass. It's not going to pass because it's going to inspire more radicals. And what you're explaining to me right now is almost like a, a syndicate, like a terrorist syndicate, like a, an insurgency is what it really is. I think that, that would be the best way. They're insurrectionists. They're, okay, that's they're exactly, but that's exactly what it is. That's what, that's what, and that's what we've been saying. This is why when I talk to people on the left and I mention Antifa and they go, oh, it's like, five people i'm like no it's not five people they're marching with flags they're using nazi brown shirt techniques they are now burning bibles their videos side by side nazi germany and portland 2020 burning bibles in the street and they have people on the left they have the mainstream media covering up for them they need to be taken seriously and people really do need to wake up this is a real threat the enemy is inside of our borders we're so worried about everyone outside. We have enemies of the state inside of our borders, and they need to be taken care of. They need to. We need to stand up against them, and we need people on the right to be vocal about it. It can't just be, oh, well, it's a bunch of 17-year-old kids. Yeah, it might be, but guess what? Then you have, if you have 10,000 17-year-old kids, and then you have BLM, and then you have the Democratic Socialists of America, now you have 20,000 people burning down cities all over America and ruining everyone's livelihoods, killing people in the street, it's not a game. These people are not, they're not to be trifled with, but guess what? Neither are we. We are American citizens. We are the right to defend ourselves and we need to start doing that. Yeah. And I think that uh, you brought up a really good point And one that I really wanted to drive home to a lot of conservatives is 
one of the number one responses as to why, you know, the right doesn't rally is like, oh, bro, well, well, we work. And what a lot of people don't understand is these rallies are being held after work and on the weekends. Mm -hmm. When we showed up, it's not two in the two in the afternoon. It's not 11 in the morning that these marches are being organized. These marches are being organized seven, eight o'clock at night. And they're being scheduled also on the weekends. These people work. And I know because I was there and I got to talk to a lot of these protesters, rioters, looters, whatever they want to call themselves. A lot of these people, believe it or not, are very well-educated people. I got to talk to what a doctor that was out there. She's a, doc, a psychologist doctor. Wow. And she, she is actually part of Portland. I forget what school she was from, but she's a middle school psychologist. We had two lawyers in New York City torture policemen. Lawyers. That's what I'm saying. The Brooklyn DA's office. The thing is, and this is something that I will give the left, is that these people will work and then they will come out and fight and stand and rally for what they want to see installed. And like you guys said, it's not just five or ten people. The very first night that I was there, over 2,500 people showed up. This is a regular old Thursday night, okay? And they stay out there. They're there from 7 at night to 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning. They go home. They shower. They sleep. They wake up, go to work, and then they rinse and repeat because they believe in it. They believe in Black Lives Matter, the movement. They believe in Antifa. They believe in anarchy and change and defunding the police. Now, I'm not saying those are great things to, to, to fight for, obviously, you know, like the abolishment of police. That, that's just so wrong. But I can appreciate the passion and the dedication because when I was there, I think it was like our last night there, we did a march around the city. And it was two in the morning. I'm tired. And these guys are just out there full force. They got shields on. They got face masks. They're ready to go. They're ready to turn the corner and meet the police and fight and fight and fight. And I know this because, again, one of the speakers was saying, we're about to go somewhere where I think we might be arrested because it's a residential area. But we need to go in there. We need to shine lights inside of people's apartments. We need to shine lasers. And we need to yell when you see people coming out and looking at the window, point to them and say, you come down and fight with us. I forget what the chant was exactly. But that was your sole purpose. And like, are you guys okay with that? And it was like, yeah. Like, are you guys like, you know, willing to get arrested for Black Lives Matter? And everyone's like, yeah. And, and like, are you ready to get tear gas? Are, we, are you willing to, to take a tear gas to the face and this and that? And everyone's like, yeah. And I mean, two in the morning. Hundreds of people, hundreds of people. That's These a dangerous people, enemy. That is a dangerous enemy that is willing to take a tear gas canister to the face at two in the morning. We, you ha we have to be willing to stand up. This isn't just something that's going to be taken care of by somebody else. If we don't speak up, if we don't, one, if we don't vote, but if we don't speak up, if we're not having our own rallies, it's, it's not going to go away. They're only going to get more bold. They are supported by the Democrat Party, by major players in the Democrat Party. This, oh, yeah. is a, this is a real enemy, people. I, we need to drive that home. This is a serious threat to our country. This is a real enemy. This is a serious threat to your safety, especially if you live in a major city where there's intense gun control and you might not be able to defend your home as well as I can defend mine. Like Gabe is stuck in, you know, communist Queens, you know, with, uh, what is it, a samurai sword, Gabe? 
Yeah, I got a samurai sword. Now I got a lightsaber. So. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, what you're describing, Anthony, is basically um, like a soy boy version of Braveheart. Uh, but I mean, at least they got the the cojones, or in your case, they went the chutzpah, you know, to actually go out there and uh, you know do it. And I, I have to agree with you, Anthony. That is, I, I can I could recognize the passion. And something that I've been saying is you can be happy, not you per se, but people on the Republican side of the right can say, oh, well, we got the presidency. We're good. We got the Senate. That is not a guarantee. And it's not a guarantee to just let the midterms pass by, to let any local election pass by, any judgeship pass by and say that you're good or that we got this because that's not the case. Politics starts local first and then it goes all the way up. And if you're, it's basically like if your home isn't okay, Everything else isn't going to be okay around you, you know, you know, if you can't even get that in order. So something really has to be done. You know, I'd say more rallies. I know that RNHA California is always out there doing great work, uh, ensuring that people are informed, registering people up to vote. More people need to, who watch this, you know, who are angry, don't just get angry and, you know, post on social media. Actually get out there, register people to vote, you know, engage with people. Heck, what I do is, if I'm in the Uber by myself, you know, with somebody, well, technically you all have to be in the, in a car by yourself now if you order one. I'll just talk to the guy. Hey, what, how's business? What do you think is going on? Do you, do you support defunding the police? Oh, well, not realizing. Well, you know that it's all Democrats, right? And you just slowly plant the seeds in people's heads one by one on the street if you have a time. And listen, I was saying you got to run up to him and be like, this is why you need to be a Republican or why you got to leave the Democratic Party. No, don't. you don't want to be that guy. Just... Have a normal conversation because at the end of the day, sometimes it's not that they're choosing. It's just blissful ignorance. It's just like, well, you know, my dad was a Democrat, so I'm going to be a Democrat. I'm like, well, the party was never good, but it's not nearly as, it's not near the same as the party as your father, that your father was used to, I would say. I'd say for now, this is out in the open. You know for a fact where these people stand. You know that they want to destroy the country under the parts that they love it so much. They are the only people, I, I swear, that can make threats against the president about, about their life so many times as they do and still get to walk away, you know, from it with relatively no repercussions. If these people are that vocal, so much so that they'll threaten to lay siege at the White House for 50 days or they'll have an armed gunman outside, you have to understand that this is now a fight at your doorstep and everyone's doorstep across the country. Yeah. Um, that is going to be time for today. Anthony, any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? No, I think that we, you know, we covered what's, what's happening. And I think that you're both absolutely right. We really need to stand up and, and we need to be activated. We can't underestimate this group. These people are changing less legislation like Tucker Carlson through violence. Uh, these people are rising. They do have literally the DNC by their cojones, you know, and literally the, anything that they want is basically the nation is kneeling to them, you know? And the reason is because they know that, you know, on the street level, it's a movement, you know, culture matters, you know? And so when these young people see that, that these people are passionate, you know, they're not necessarily thinking, I want to go out and riot too, but you have these teenagers that say, I want to go out and stand for justice as well. And if there's nothing meeting that on the right side, then there's only going to be one way to go. And that's going to be with Antifa, Black Lives Matter. They're going to be drawn to that. 
because they want to speak up about systemic racism, whatever it is that they want to argue about, but they are out there by the numbers and that draws people. Sometimes people go one time and they're like, I want to keep doing this. This was fun. I had a good time. Sure. There were a couple of people kind of being goofballs, but they want to do that. And if we don't meet that on the right, then what are we doing? If we're not rallying to open our churches, if we're not rallying to save our churches, to save our statues, that's part of our culture on the right. If we're not rallying to stop the burning Bibles, I mean, our kids are looking at us like, well, then what's the point? You know, like what's the point of being all this if we're not going to preserve it? You know, we call ourselves conservatives, but what are we conserving if we're not out there meeting them head on and defending what's ours and standing up for it? You know, and now we have all these Republicans in office that like, well, our constituents seem to be fine. So we're just not going to say anything about anything. And so you have people like Tucker Carlson that are calling people out, you know, like, where are the Republicans? Where's the leadership? But it's because everyone's like, well, we work, man. You know, it's like, oh, I guess we're just satisfied with that. While the radical left hijacks our culture, our teenagers, our youth, you know, like, is that what we're okay with? And so we need to understand that and we need to get active, you know, whether that's registering voters. I mean, you know, um, Gabriel here, he's part of the Republican Hispanic Assembly of New York. I'm the chairman for California. We're chartering counties. We're getting people involved. We're doing rallies. We're out there marching. August 22nd, there's going to be a protest at a church, at a missionary church, because apparently... Christianity is racist and these missions are racist because it was a colonizer that came to put these missions up in California. So as Christians, as Republican Hispanic assembly, we're going to go out there and we're just going to peacefully surround the church and make sure nothing happens to it. We're going to be praying out there. We're going to be meeting other Christians, but it is time to be active because, you know, people always say, you know, especially being in the military, They always say, like, you always want to train harder than your enemy. Well, the enemy is out there, and they are training. They are organized. They are funded. And we really don't have much to to do. You know, people can always say, like, well, I own a gun. Yes, okay, you own a gun, but so do they. A lot of people want to say, like, oh, none of these liberals have a gun. I literally witness people with guns. They have uh, bulletproof vests. A, a little thing that says Antifa security or just security. And they have a gun on a holster for everyone to see and realize we are the security here. So, I mean, what's going to happen, you know, if 50 to a, you know, or 500 to a thousand people show up in front of your house and you've got your one handgun or you got one rifle and a bunch of them have guns, but because you didn't organize, we didn't have a plan of attack. We didn't, yeah. Look to see what what neighbors of ours are Republicans. Is there a game plan in case these people ever invade our city? Is there a game plan for if these people ever come marching and want to loot my my house, my apartment? So what are we doing? You know, and so that's why we need to build. We need to build. We need to build. We need to gain momentum. We need to get communications out there. Guys, if anything ever happens here, this is what we do. If they come back and try to riot or loot our city, we're going to stand by the business owners. These are the business owners that we already got in contact with. They could use our help. They have guns in the shop. They've allowed us access to the roof. We will stand by them. You know, like those are things that we need to be thinking about, but we just don't, you know? And so that's my message to everybody is we need to get activated. Realistically speaking, Trump can't do it all. 
You need to activate yourself. You need to be out on the street and you need to be vocal and be able to preserve what we are trying to, and that is our religion, our freedom, our amendments, our constitution. 100% Anthony, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Definitely better than having Gabe on the show by himself. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But no, thank you so much for coming on the show. The insight into what goes on on the street is very important. Um, We've said it a million times, so I'm not going to say again, but people, we do have enemies inside the gates. Anthony, if you could just tell people where they can find you on social media, should they want to find out more about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So on Facebook and Instagram, I go by the conservative Latino. So uh, my at at Instagram is at conservative dot Latino. And it'll be the same for Facebook. And then on Twitter, you can just find me at at real Anthony. Um, and that's, I think that's all. I don't think I have a YouTube. So all right. Gabe, <laughs> you want to give people your 30 handles? Yeah. So <laughs> if you're on Twitter, that's where you find me at Baron D R O N underscore Montalvo. Uh, and if you're on Instagram, that's where I'm Baron.Montalvo. If you're on Facebook, click on the pages tab. That is Gabriel E.Montalvo. Uh, spaces in between because that's the first, middle, and last. Uh, Got to keep it pro- uh, professional. And if you support the Hispanic conservative movement, please feel free to check out on Facebook and on Google Republican National Hispanic Assembly, New York chapter, as well as, because we have our very special guest here, the California chapter uh, on social media and on the web. And, you know, come check us out. We're always here to start a movement and to continue to move forward. All right, guys, make sure you follow us on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives. Our group just topped over 12K, so we're very happy about that. Hopefully it will keep growing. That is where we have links to all our videos and everything. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, new handle. We are underscore Empire State Conservatives. I couldn't get it without the underscore. Someone apparently stole it from us. But all of our stuff is on there. We are heavily shadow banned on Instagram, so please help us try to break that shadow ban. Um, I don't remember the last time I logged into Twitter, but we are on there at Empire State Cons. We do have links to episodes there. And make sure, once again, to visit our website, all our stores at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com. For that, you know, stay armed, stay safe, and don't let fear take your freedom. (laughs) 